Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's time for Justice Matters with former federal prosecutor and MSNBC analyst Glenn Kirchner. D.C. Judge Tanya Chutkin has ruled that Donald Trump does not have absolute immunity in his federal 2020 election prosecution. Here's Glenn. So friends, Judge Tanya Chutkin, the judge presiding over Donald Trump's criminal prosecution in Washington, D.C., for attempting to overturn the results of the 2020 presidential election. Judge Chutkin just issued her written ruling, concluding that a president does not have absolute immunity against being prosecuted for his crimes, as Donald Trump has been claiming he had all along, and Trump's case will now proceed to trial. Judge Chutkin's 48-page written ruling is so well-reasoned, it's so well-written, it's so important that I would urge you all to find a little bit of time to read it. I will put a link to the judge's opinion in the description for this. So friends, it's gonna take us some time to work through today's Justice Matters. You might wanna sit back, get comfortable, grab a beverage, coffee, tea, water, or any beverage of your choice. I'm gonna enjoy my coffee during the course of this video. And that is actually the first time I've ever taken a sip of coffee on camera. Uh, And I've been doing these videos since, since, March of 2020. Please don't go back and look at my first YouTube video on my channel because it's pretty bad. Uh, I'm sitting on my couch in my living room. My wife is holding my phone slash camera. I didn't even own a tripod. There was really poor sound quality, no lighting, no production values. Yes, I haven't come all that far, but at least I painted the wall behind me, put a couple of plaques and pictures up, But that first video back in March of 2020 was me talking about the need for a Trump Crimes Commission. The need to hold Donald Trump accountable for his crimes against the United States, against we the people. So not that much has changed, but I realized I never have taken a sip of coffee on camera before. But because today's video is gonna take some time for us to work through together, I'm gonna be uh, I'm gonna be sipping my coffee from time to time. Here's what I want to try to get through today. I want to start, of course, with some of the new reporting, specifically by the Washington Post. Then I want to do a quick Team Justice Law School class. I want to talk about the two issues that Judge Chutkin had to resolve in this case, and she had to resolve them early. Those two issues involved a double jeopardy claim. We're gonna talk about why that was laughable and why that was so easily rejected by Judge Chutkin. And this 
notion that a president has absolute immunity against prosecution for all crimes he committed. That is the weightier, more consequential issue she had to tackle. So we'll do a quick Team Justice Law School class on that. Then we'll turn to just some of the passages from Judge Chutkin's extraordinary opinion. And then I want to finish up with what might happen when Donald Trump now undoubtedly appeals Judge Chutkin's ruling that no, there is no double jeopardy issue preventing Donald Trump from being prosecuted, and he does not have absolute presidential immunity. So against that backdrop, please get comfortable. Please grab your coffee, tea, or whatever, and let's dig in. Let's start with the new reporting from the Washington Post. Headline, U.S. judge rejects Trump immunity claim in January 6th criminal prosecution. And that article begins, a federal judge on Friday rejected Donald Trump's claim of absolute immunity from criminal prosecution for actions taken while he was president, setting the stage for a legal battle over presidential power probably headed to the U.S. Supreme Court and starting the clock ticking on whether the justices will agree to allow him to face trial in Washington before the 2024 election. U.S. District Judge Tanya Chutkin denied Trump's request to toss out his four-count August indictment on charges of conspiring to defraud the federal government's election process to obstruct Congress's certification of the vote on January 6, 2021, and to disenfranchise American voters. This quote from Judge Chutkin's opinion, quote, whatever immunities a sitting president may enjoy, the United States has only one chief executive at a time, and that position does not confer a lifelong get-out-of-jail-free pass, she wrote in the 48-page opinion. The judge said Trump may be subject to federal investigation, indictment, prosecution, conviction, and punishment for any criminal acts undertaken while in office. Okay, friends, with that little bit of reporting against that backdrop, let's do a quick Team Justice Law School class. Because nothing about this case or this litigation is easy or intuitive or even usual. Usually, in a criminal case, a defendant doesn't get to appeal anything until after he has been tried, convicted, and sentenced. That's when a defendant's appellate rights come into existence. And then the defendant and his lawyers package up all of the issues, all of the alleged errors that were made by the judge and the prosecutors during the course of the trial, and they put them in a brief and they file an appeal in the case. But here, Donald Trump will get to appeal Judge Chutkin's ruling now in piecemeal fashion. It's called an interlocutory appeal, whereas usually he has to wait until he's tried, convicted, and sentenced. Why? Well, here's why. There are two issues that were decided by Judge Chutkin. Double jeopardy, Donald Trump's claim that double jeopardy prevents him from even going to trial in this case, and absolute presidential immunity, which, if it were a legitimate claim, would also prevent him from having to go to trial. 
because these two issues are constitutional issues that, if meritorious, if legitimate, would basically end the case right here, right now, and he would not be forced to go to trial because they are case-ending constitutional issues. Now that the judge denied them, rejected Donald Trump's claim, he has a right to appeal them up first to the D.C. Federal Circuit Court of Appeals, then he can try to get the Supreme Court to accept these issues for review in the event the appellate court rejects the claims, just as Judge Chutkin just rejected the claims, and the appellate court will, in my opinion, reject the claims. And then the issue becomes, does the Supreme Court even take a look at them? Does the Supreme Court even accept these issues for appellate review? We'll talk about that at the end of today's discussion. But that's why Donald Trump gets to appeal these things right here and right now, instead of having to wait until the end of his case as defendants in a criminal case ordinarily do. They have to wait until the end of their case to appeal anything. So let me touch on the double jeopardy claim because Donald Trump's claim that the constitutional prohibition against double jeopardy, against being tried twice for the same offense in the same court, is not just meritless, not just baseless, it's frivolous, it's absurd. In a word, it's stupid. And Judge Chutkin said all of those things in her opinion, but much more politely and diplomatically than I just said it. But I don't even want to waste your time going through the legal analysis that is laid out in Judge Chutkin's opinion and ruling. Here's all I want to tell you about Donald Trump's absurd double jeopardy claim. Double jeopardy, our double jeopardy protections involve the following. Nobody can be tried twice in the same court for the same crime in the event at the first trial they were found guilty or not guilty. They were convicted or acquitted. Now, if it's a hung jury and the judge declares a mistrial, a hung jury because all of the jurors cannot agree unanimously on a verdict, guilty or not guilty, somebody can be tried again after a hung jury, after a mistrial is declared because when a mistrial is declared, when a jury can't agree unanimously, it's kind of like the trial never happened and the prosecutors can rebring the trial. They can go to a retrial. In fact, multiple times they can go to retrials if a jury hangs in a particular case. So that doesn't implicate double jeopardy. But double jeopardy is you can't be tried twice in the same court for the same crime if the jury found you guilty or not guilty the first time. Here's what Donald Trump and his lawyers claimed. They claimed that because Donald Trump was impeached by the House of Representatives and because he went to a trial in the Senate and was not convicted by the senators, somehow double jeopardy prohibits him from now being tried criminally in federal court. That position is absurd. An impeachment hearing and an impeachment trial in the Senate is not a criminal case in a court of law. It's not a criminal charge. 
So double jeopardy does not apply. The fact that he was impeached and tried in the Senate has absolutely no bearing on his criminal trial in federal court for trying to overturn the results of the 2020 election. It's an absurd argument that he made, and Judge Chutkin very politely and authoritatively and with lots of legal support in the case law, lots of precedent, made clear the double jeopardy claim dog won't hunt, and she rejected it. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time going through her legal ruling in that regard. The immunity claim, that's the second constitutional claim that Trump and his lawyers raised in this motion, is, I would say, a slightly more straight-faced claim. There's at least something to talk about. Why? Well, because presidents really do enjoy a healthy dose of immunity from civil lawsuits. Now, we're going to set aside criminal prosecutions uh, for a minute, because what Trump's lawyers say is, well, because... Donald Trump or any president enjoys immunity from civil lawsuits, we're just gonna automatically say that should apply in the setting of a criminal prosecution for crimes committed by the president. There's no authority for that. There's actually contrary authority. There's Supreme Court case law that cuts against that claim. But because there is this civil immunity doctrine for presidents, and let's face it, when presidents take difficult decisions, often they will make some of the American people unhappy. And what we want to guard against is the American people being able to bring civil lawsuit after civil lawsuit after civil lawsuit when they're unhappy with the decision that a president makes, even though he's making those decisions within the scope of his official duties as president. That's why presidents have immunity from civil lawsuits. They can't be expected to spend all of their time defending against civil lawsuits if they're making legitimate presidential decisions within the scope of their official duties as president. That has never been extended to prosecuting a president for the crimes he committed in office. That's why I say that is a slightly more straight-faced or robust discussion that we can have. And so it is on that issue that I wanna focus and I wanna read at some length, I will warn you, please remain comfortable. I want to read at some length from what Judge Chutkin said in her written ruling and order because it's really important, it's really persuasive, and I am going to go out on a limb and say, if you have respect for the rule of law right now, and I know, friends, it is not easy given that we have a somewhat corrupt Supreme Court, given that we have insurrectionists running around in Congress still trying to kill us from within with impunity because none of them have been charged for their crimes. You know, having confidence in the rule of law and the equal application of the rule of law at this moment is not easy. So to the extent you still have confidence, faith, trust in the rule of law, I think Judge Chutkin's opinion will reinforce your faith and your confidence in the rule of law based on what she is saying in her written ruling and how she's saying it. If you have lost all trust in the rule of law, maybe if we spend some time going through this legal ruling by Judge Chutkin that concludes a president 
absolutely can be held criminally accountable for his crimes in violation of the federal laws, his crimes against we the people, against the American voters. It may restore a little bit of your faith, trust, and confidence in the rule of law. And we all have to hang on to our trust that the rule of law will continue to assert itself as it has in Judge Chutkin's opinion, and that at the end of the day, Donald Trump will be held accountable for his crimes, which I believe is the ultimate outcome here. So with that very long preamble, I hope you're still comfortable, I hope your coffee hasn't grown cold, I wanna to turn to uh, reading a few lengthy portions of Judge Chutkin's ruling in this case. The case is captioned, United States of America versus Donald Trump, defendant, and here is Judge Chutkin's memorandum opinion. The United States has charged former President Donald Trump with four counts of criminal conduct that he allegedly committed during the waning days of his presidency. He, Trump, has moved to dismiss the charges against him based on presidential immunity and on constitutional grounds. For the reasons set forth below, the court will deny both motions. And then Judge Chutkin starts with a recitation of some of what's in the indictment. Defendant was the 45th president of the United States and a candidate for re-election in 2020. Despite having lost that election, he was determined to remain in power. So for more than two months following election day on November 3rd, 2020, Defendant Trump spread lies that there had been outcome determinative fraud in the election and that he had actually won. He, Trump, knew that those claims were false, but repeatedly and widely disseminated them anyway to make his knowingly false claims appear legitimate, create an intense national atmosphere of mistrust and anger, and erode public faith in the administration of the election. In fact, defendant Trump was notified repeatedly that his claims were untrue, often by the people on whom he relied for candid advice on important matters and who were best positioned to know the facts and he deliberately disregarded the truth. Those people included the vice president, senior leaders of the Justice Department, the Director of National Intelligence, the Department of Homeland Security's Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, senior White House attorneys, senior staffers on the defendant's 2020 reelection campaign, state legislators and officials, and state and federal judges. And Judge Chutkin then goes on to summarize some additional portions of the indictment. I will leave that for you all to read if you're interested. And I wanna to jump to some of her discussion on this presidential immunity claim. Defendant Trump contends that the Constitution grants him absolute immunity from criminal prosecution for actions performed within the outer perimeter of his official responsibility while he served as President of the United States so long as he was not both impeached and convicted for those actions. The Constitution's text, structure, and history do not support that conclusion. No court or any other branch of government has ever accepted it, and this court will not so hold. 
Whatever immunities a sitting president may enjoy, for example, in the civil lawsuit context, the United States has only one chief executive at a time, and that position does not confer a lifelong get-out-of-jail-free pass. Former presidents enjoy no special conditions on their federal criminal liability. Defendants may be subject to federal investigation, indictment, prosecution, conviction, and punishment for any criminal acts undertaken while in office. There is no provision in the Constitution conferring the immunity that defendant Trump claims. There is no presidential immunity clause. The lack of constitutional text is no accident. The framers explicitly created immunity for other officials, but the U.S. Constitution contains no equivalent protections for the president. Nor is the Constitution silent on the question because its drafters and ratifiers assumed the president would enjoy the immunity defendant Trump claims. To the contrary, America's founding generation envisioned a chief executive, that is a president, wholly different from the unaccountable, almost omnipotent rulers of other nations at the time. Indeed, the Constitution's silence on former president's criminal immunity thus does not reflect an understanding that such immunity existed. Judge Chutkin continues. In addition to lacking textual or historical support, defendants' interpretation collapses under the application of common sense. Criminal conduct is not part of the necessary functions performed by public officials. By definition, the president's duty to take care that the laws be faithfully executed does not grant special latitude to violate them. Accordingly, the rationale for immunizing a president's controversial decisions from civil liability does not extend to sheltering his criminality. Indeed, the possibility of future criminal liability might encourage the kind of sober reflection that would reinforce rather than defeat important constitutional values. If the specter of subsequent prosecution encourages a sitting president to reconsider before deciding to act with criminal intent, that is a benefit, not a defect. Most importantly, a former president's exposure to federal criminal liability is essential to fulfilling our constitutional promise of equal justice under the law. And Judge Chutkin then quotes another former president, our first former president, George Washington. And that's where I want to end my rather lengthy review of Judge Chutkin's ruling, because the judge talks about applying George Washington's warning to the situation in which we find ourselves right now, the lawlessness of Donald Trump. Here's what she says. Perhaps no one understood the compelling public interest in the rule of law better than our first former president, George Washington. His decision to voluntarily leave office after two terms marked an extraordinary divergence from nearly every world leader who had preceded him 
ushering in the sacred American tradition of peacefully transitioning presidential power, a tradition that stood unbroken until January 6, 2021. In announcing that decision, however, Washington counseled that the newfound American independence carried with it a responsibility. And now quoting George Washington, quote, the very idea of the power and the right of the people to establish government presupposes the duty of every individual to obey the established government. And Washington then issued a sober warning. All obstructions to the execution of the laws are destructive of this fundamental principle. In Washington's view, such obstructions would prove fatal to the Republic. And then I'll end with this, friends. In this case, Defendant Trump is charged with attempting to usurp the reins of government as George Washington forewarned. The government, that is the prosecution, the government alleges that, with the help of political associates, Trump spread lies that there had been outcome determinative fraud in the election and that he had actually won and pursued unlawful means of discounting legitimate votes and subverting the election results all because he was determined to remain in power. In asserting absolute executive immunity for his crimes, Defendant Trump asks not for an opportunity to disprove those allegations, but for a categorical exemption from criminal liability because, in his view, the indictment is based solely on President Trump's official acts. That obstruction to the execution of the laws would betray the public trust. If one man can be allowed to determine for himself what is law, every man can. That means first chaos, then tyranny. And friends, I hope that words like that from the judge presiding over the criminal prosecution of a former president of the United States, I hope those words either reinforce your trust and faith in the rule of law or begin to restore your faith in the rule of law in the event you've lost it entirely. On the way, now that there's been a ruling on immunity, what will likely happen next in the case? Glenn gives us his take after the break here on Justice Matters. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. 
but you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Judge Chutkin has made her ruling denying Trump's bid to dismiss the case. Glenn explains what he thinks will happen next. Okay, friends, so what happens now? Well, inevitably, Donald Trump will appeal this denial of his motion to dismiss the indictment on double jeopardy grounds, on absolute immunity grounds. It will be appealed up to the D.C. Federal Circuit Court of Appeals, and it will probably pretty quickly be briefed up, argued, and rejected. That is, Judge Chutkin's opinion will be affirmed on appeal. It will first be affirmed, in my opinion, by a three-judge panel, and then Trump and his lawyers might ask for a review of the opinion, the ruling from the three-judge panel, what's called an en banc review, a full bench review with all appellate court judges sitting to hear the case. Assuming that happens and assuming it is again denied, which I predict it will be, then Donald Trump will try to convince the Supreme Court to accept the case for review. That is problematic because if the Supreme Court accepts this case for review, they would probably put a stop or a hold or a temporary pause on the case in the trial court. That would run the risk of delaying the March 4 start date. Of course, they could accept review, the Supremes, and they could quickly resolve the case. Of course, if they resolve the case in favor of Donald Trump on either the double jeopardy grounds or the absolute immunity grounds, the case goes away. And a criminal president, you know, gets to basically declare himself king above the law, beyond the reach of the criminal justice system. That ain't happening, even with this Supreme Court. But friends, I actually think it's pretty likely that the Supreme Court won't touch this case with a 10-foot pole. They will not accept review of the case, and they will let the trial run its course, and they will let it start as it's currently scheduled to start on March 4, which would mean a jury would be in a position to convict Donald Trump because based on the evidence, and the evidence of his guilt is overwhelming and he has no legitimate defense, no viable defense, no straight-faced defense on the evidence, you know, a jury will promptly convict him, probably in late April, perhaps early May. And I don't think the Supreme Court is going to do anything to put a stop to that trial. I say that for two reasons, friends. One, there's no viable legal issue for the Supreme Court to take up. There is no constitutional support anywhere for the notion that double jeopardy prevents this prosecution or absolute presidential immunity even exists. It doesn't. It never has, and it never should. But the other reason I say the Supreme Court is unlikely to accept review of this case, the Supreme Court is unlikely to, you know, throw up a roadblock in front of the March 4 trial date, is because the Supreme Court loves their supreme status, even over and above the chief executive, over and above the President of the United States. Think about this. The Supreme Court didn't accept review of a single election challenge case. 
a single case designed to reinstall Donald Trump into the presidency. The Supreme Court would have none of it. Why? One, there were no viable legal challenges, you know, that required the Supreme Court to exercise jurisdiction to accept the cases for review. But it's also because the Supreme Court, I think, always operates from a sense of self-preservation, at least the right-wing block of the Supreme Court. I don't believe the Supreme Court will do anything to enable Donald Trump to return to presidential power because he has already said he's willing to terminate the Constitution. You know, he will marginalize the Supreme Court if he is allowed to return to presidential power. You know, if there's one thing a dictator like Donald Trump has no interest in, it's a Supreme Court that is above the authority of the president. No, inferior courts would be fine with Donald Trump as long as he could direct and control them and as long as he was immune from being held accountable for his crimes. So no, I think for lots of reasons, both legitimate and not especially legitimate, the Supreme Court will not accept review of these issues, will not put a stop to Donald Trump's March 4 trial date in Washington, D.C. And I believe that trial will begin on March 4, and I believe a jury will be in a position, will be ready, willing, and able, based on the evidence, to vote guilty by late April or early May. Because justice matters. Friends, thank you for sticking with me. As always, please stay safe, please stay tuned, and I look forward to talking with you all again soon. For more on Glenn, go to Glenn Kirshner 2 on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. This is Justice Matters.